0: So when you insert the money in a dip and dunk booth, uh, it triggers the camera. There's a little red light. That that first weight can always be the most awkward one, and it's four Canadian one dollar coins. I really can hear the transmission. Yeah, we are mostly just hearing the motor. We are mostly just hearing the motor. Like, kerchunk sound. Then there's a loud kerchunk sound. Kerchunk sound. Knife cuts the paper from the reel. That's the loud kerchunk sound. So, when I go use a photo booth, um, usually I look around to make sure that there's no one else nearby and that I'm kind of, like, alone in that moment with the machine. Pull back the curtain, adjust the seat. As soon as I walk into a photo booth, I really can notice that chemical smell, smell? like gasoline sort of thing. It's about two and a half seconds between each frame, you can kind of be like blinded. If the sponge is a little bit like um, spotty flex in the development of the, of the pictures, they mostly come out wet. And uh, when the photos come out, they're facing backward, you have to like pinch your fingers in this weird way. The contrast is perfect. Overexposed or underexposed and super dark and I like all of the photos. The arms actually swing out from inner cylinder. You know this metallic y sound as the arms bob in the tanks. Uh uh. uh I should uh, the paper is exposed, one frame at a time, moving down into the first spider arm. And then the spider arm rotates around the tanks, which is attached to a transmission that makes it go up and down, up and down, go up and down, up and down. Arms are called spiders, up and down, up and down, and they swing out and hold the pictures and bob them, so they can develop seven pictures at once. The photos then get fed into a chute and then they come out. <laughs> and then yeah, after about sort of two and a half, three minutes, depending on the model, you'll get your photos outside.
1: From Radiotopia, you're listening to Love and Radio. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Today's episode, Photochemical.
0: The first picture that I have in my collection was from nineteen ninety-nine. I was going on a movie night with my mom and my two sisters. Because I was like 11, I chose Spice World. But afterwards, we used this black and white photo booth in the basement of this mall. My mom was still holding the popcorn from the movie. So the popcorn is like up to her face in a lot of the pictures. Just something sort of like clicked for me. This is just so great. There are these booths all around downtown and I went to school downtown. I was within walking distance of I think like five photo booths back then. They just became this place for me to slip away to and take these pictures just for myself. Spending four bucks a week on a photo booth as a teenager was a lot of money to me, so I would plan really elaborate photo shoots and bring in tons of costumes and props and backgrounds. I was just sort of like figuring out the timing and my angles and all of that. I would take the pictures with me in mind, but then would obsessively show them to, like, all of my friends and social group. Social media didn't exist back then. There wasn't, like, a way to, like, easily show pictures of yourself to people. Whenever we had, like, a boring moment in class or, like, waiting for something, I would take over the pictures and sort of, like, entertain people by passing them around. By, like, 2004, I was pretty well known as, like, the photo with girl. Yeah. The inconsistencies in photo booth pictures show me that the photo booth is alive in this way. It's not this sterile digital thing using binary code to operate. It's this unpredictable component. There are just so many factors that change how the photos are going to come out, that come down to like how old the paper is, if the paper was ever partially exposed, the temperature of the chemicals, how often the booth is used, that's a really big part of it too. All of those things together are sort of markers of that photo booth and and really define it, you know? Like, even if all the components on the inside are the same as every other dip-and-dunk photo booth, they've all kind of had their own history that sort of marks their photos. You're not just hiring the photo booth to take your picture, you're paying for it for its interpretation of that moment too when you choose to use it.
1: Can you describe where we are?
0: We are in this awesome bar in Montreal called North Star Pinball. They have a ton of vintage pinball machines and then they also have an awesome color chemical photo booth.
1: And what model photo booth
0: is this? This is now kind of a Frankenstein model because it's got the new camera in it, but this was a 17P or a 17C. And you can tell from up here, 17C. Okay. Should we come up with a plan? How are we gonna do this? Yeah, we're get real close in here. Are you afraid of making like stupid silly faces and stuff like not. that? Okay, great. <laughs> I know some people are. <laughs> Let's do a like serious interview one where I'll look like I'm being interviewed. And then we should do one monster face, whatever monster means to you. Okay. That can be the second photo in the strip. And we can just look like we're melting the monsters, the melting. And then the last one we'll do like a nice smiling photo. You should be able to see half of your face in the reflection and all of my face. So, serious interview. I think it's really important to have your portrait taken. <laughs> and then the monsters. It creates this little moment of time of you in the world uh, melting. It validates that you existed that day and it's a marker for your life and where you were at that time. And so blind up that (laughs) I smiling. (laughs) The photo allows you to be remembered on by people. Good job. Alright,
1: describe what you're doing.
0: I am putting my fingers in the dispenser slot and Oh (laughs) That's a really great face. (laughs) Very serious interview. Well that's what you asked for. I did. Oh, interesting, this fabric reflected in a sort of weird way, the shine of it. Great job, team. When photo booths first came onto the market in the 1920s, they cost 25 cents, which is equivalent to $4 today. And previous to that... It was really, really expensive to have your portraits taken and it was something that really only like middle and upper class people had available to them. A lot of marginalized populations, like gay and lesbian couples, were able to take their first photos together of them being intimate. No photo studio would allow them to take those kind of portraits and you couldn't really develop a role of film with those kind of pictures on it back then. I think it did a lot for people to be able to just take photos of themselves and not have the judgment of a photographer on the other side of the lens.
1: Can you just begin by explaining what you're holding in your lap right now? Sure.
0: I am holding a three-inch ring binder that zips shut and in it is probably about two to three thousand photo booth pictures. This one's a really cool photo because this one is a mug shot. So models Eleven A were uh, originally used in police departments. This guy has got huge hair, and uh, he's he's in for something. But he also looks like everything will be fine.
1: Yeah, he looks maybe a little stoned.
0: This woman is amazing. This is the only photo I have of her in my personal collection, but there are hundreds of pictures of her. Most of the people who are like more on top of collecting the vintage photos than me have nabbed up and everyone's just trying to figure out who she is. She's always posing with different men, sometimes kissing them on the mouth, sometimes kissing them on the cheek, and it's always the same exact photo booth model and background. They wonder if she, like, worked at this bar and, like, posed with men and pretended to be their girlfriends or whatever as, like, a service or something. There's, like, just hundreds of these pictures though if she had done that as an employment it wouldn't explain why all these photos were still collected together in the end so she must have had copies of them or someone else kept copies of them. So this photo was a gift to me and uh, yeah so on the back not on the actual back because that would be sacrilegious (laughs) to write on it but I wrote a note attached to the back saying rare photo of professional poser I have found a lot of photo booth pictures almost always in the actual dispenser of the photo booth. Like someone had to leave before they could take them out or didn't realize that they weren't instant and that they had to wait three minutes, so they left before then. Sometimes I'll actually find them in the photo booth as if someone found them in the dispenser and felt they shouldn't leave them there. And then like took them out of the dispenser and like left them on the seat or on the floor for someone to come back for, I guess. 90% of the photo booth pictures I've found in my life have been within 10 feet of a photo booth. You just have to, like, know to look for them. So, you know when you see people, like, walking past a payphone and they, like, go and they put their, like, two fingers in that slot to see if there's change that's left behind? I'm like that with photo booths. Like, I'm always taking a peek to see if there's anything left in the dispenser. By the... End of my degree, I had kind of found that the most interesting pictures in my collection were not the um, highly posed backgrounds, costumes, and props photos, but they were actually the everyday, didn't look particularly good, but like the photos captured some genuine emotion from me. I started to do a lot of work with those pictures and those photos were almost always really unflattering, but captured something really honest and at times very vulnerable. That's when I actually started to feel feel interested in the feeling of oversharing, I think, with people and what happens when you become really vulnerable by sharing personal details. And I would say that I do that to this day, as in right now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in 2012, I met this man who runs this photo booth company, uh, Refurbishing Vintage Photo Booths in Chicago. He offered me a job and I was like, yeah, it took me two seconds to think about saying yes to it. It was like the most obvious thing I wanted to do with my life. All of the work I've been doing with photo booths sort of like culminated in actually getting to work with the machines. All of the experience I'd had with photo booths prior to this was really about the pictures and not so much about the booths. I had never really had access to get inside of a photo booth and get messy with it and actually like service it and work with the chemicals and the camera. Working with a photo booth was totally 110% invigorating. I think that photo booths definitely replaced intimate relationships. They replaced my most important relationships because I literally moved away from a city where I had hundreds of amazing friends and I left a relationship to move to Chicago. I left all those people for photo booths. Photo booths had. Already been what I would consider like among my best friends for a long time, starting as a teenager. It was almost like getting serious with a friend, like a friend who you'd always kind of love, like you had this best friend, and then like one day you looked at them differently and it was like, whoa. There's one booth in particular that I was using um, pretty much every day, and it was my responsibility to like keep its uh, water and chemicals topped off. And um, I had sort of free reign of the booth and. Uh, it's a model 11. It's not like the boxy photo booth that we think of today. It was from the early 50s. Really beautiful, like, cursive signage on the side. It's all like mint green, which is one of my favorite colors anyway. Beautiful red finish to the wood in the booth. The back isn't flat, the back is rounded, so you can really push your whole body into the back of it and take photos much further depth of field than average photo booths. The camera was super, super sharp. I learned how to use this machine really well. I learned what the ideal temperature and conditions were for it to take the best photos possible, and it just felt like when I took photos in it, we were really in sync. Um, yeah, and it felt like... When I was taking really good pictures in it, it kind of had that feeling of like, hey, yeah, like way to go team, like we did this together, you know? Like it's, it wasn't a solo activity. The booth, I think of it as a major collaborator. I kind of look back on that period and I'm like, s- sad now or kind of jealous of how easy it was to be so pleased. I could be on top of the world because of a cool experiment we did with some photo booth chemicals on a new type of color paper and the photos came out, like, in a reversed palette or whatever and I would be, like, just so thrilled. And then that was, like, the coolest thing that happened to me that week. I am, I have definitely been turned on by using photo booths, by the experience of using photo booths. It's not like I look at a photo booth and I'm instantly turned on. They're not in- inherently sexy to me. Um, but the act of using a photo booth, especially when like the photos are good and everything is like syncing up nicely and it's working really well, can definitely be an arousing experience for me. When I moved to Montreal, I did actually date somebody for a while when I first moved here that my sister introduced me to. The first time I really noticed how Photobooths interfered with my relationships with actual people was while having sex with him. And um, I uh, started very consistently always seeing Photobooths, um, not the pictures, but the actual machines whenever we were, whenever, yeah, I was like climaxing or we were doing romantic stuff. And uh, every time? Pretty consistently. Maybe not every time, but it was uh, a regular occurrence. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I was just, uh, I was just falling in love. So it felt really, it all felt really good. There was nothing about it that felt weird. Um, but I knew it must have also been weird because at that same time I felt compelled to look up people who fall in love with objects, <laughs> and I watched this documentary about. Objectum sexuality, or, like, objectophiles, as they're sometimes called. This documentary was, like, horrifying. Um, It really... It did not paint these people in a good light. And I immediately was like, I'm not like them, I don't want to be one of them. But I also am reminded of this woman that I know in the photo booth community who... She's like, I'm not a hoarder, not like one of those hoarders on TV. It's like, oh, those shows are horrific. And then I went to her house, and I was like, oh, wow, she's a hoarder. Like... So when I say I'm not an objective sexual, I also know, um, I know that I'm saying that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. I lead mostly a celibate life Mm -hmm. uh, by choice. I don't like how falling in love with somebody changes me. Whenever I start to fall for somebody, it, like, feels like I'm slowly being poisoned, you know? The chemicals in your bodies are actually changing and shifting as you're becoming more intimate with somebody and, like, swapping saliva and messing your brain up with having orgasms. When I do start to fall for somebody, it just feels like I'm getting drugged and I'm, like, losing sight of who I am. Yeah, in a real bad way. Within 20 minutes of, like, imagined, you know, the house we're going to retire in and its floor plan and stuff, like... Like, I'm, I, it moves pretty fast. I, like, I try people on mentally all the time. The last person that I, like, had a regular sexual relationship with, I just got no work done that entire time. And I was constantly blowing off deadlines and project schedules so that I could just drop everything and have sex. And it was, it was kind of That's awful. Right. No, it was the worst. <laughs> I got nothing done. Whenever I've been in a relationship with somebody, though I can tell they're feeling things back at me, I know that the feelings I have for them are things I'm creating for myself anyway. Despite the fact that there's two people making that relationship happen, I only will ever know my experience of that relationship. And so in that way, it's always sort of one-sided. So with my relationship with photo booths, I don't really see it any differently. I'm loving them and from my experience it feels like they're loving me back. I don't really need anything more than that to feel like it's a valid relationship. I know what a psychologist would say about this kind of attraction and attention, I think.
1: What
0: would they say? Um, <laughs> I don't know. They'd probably say that, like, you're projecting some, like, feelings of, like, you never want to love anyone again or you never want to be loved by anyone again onto an object because it's far safer because it won't break your heart the same way a human would or something like that, which I don't doubt that there's truth to that. However, I feel that when I'm using a photo booth, they know that I'm a friend of theirs and that there's, like, a a sort of language that we're using that goes like way deeper and far beyond actual language where they get what I'm putting out and they get who's using them and they know that this is like a special person using them and so we're going to work on taking these photos together. What was it like in Chicago? Um, so... <laughs> Uh this is so funny to say on the radio. Uh okay so there were times when I was the last person to leave the studio and uh so I would lock everything up and I uh would use a photo booth just by myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> how uh, I don't, I to don't put this in a way I'm so sorry to my friends from Chicago who are like oh god <laughs> um, yeah from my perception of what was happening and from how it felt it, I felt like I was having sex with a photo booth in the way that it would make sense to have sex with an inanimate object It wasn't about like being risque or shock value or anything. It was just uh, about me in the photo booth and it felt very intimate and it felt amazing and I felt very understood and like very well taken care of by my lover. I had noticed, of course, that photo booths had been disappearing for quite a while, but I didn't really understand the extent that they were going to be gone, gone relatively soon. I think as like a teenager who was obsessed with using photo booths, I had always just imagined that I would like always be able to take pictures this way and use photo with my kids and like that kind of thing. I finally learned in 2012 how short-lived the industry would be. In Canada, there's a handful of color photo booths that are left, but they'll be gone pretty soon, like within at most six months, probably closer to like two to three. And those are pretty much just left in Montreal, as far as I know, because the company that runs all those photo booths is based here in Montreal. So there's about like 10 left in the metro systems. Now when I visit photo booths, the feeling is like there's so few left to visit that it's more like I'm visiting a sick friend and I'm happy to get this much more time with them. I can still have that fun, playful experience with the photo booth, but a lot of the time it feels really like we're just hanging on to something before they go. The photo booths that are left are in pretty public spaces, which definitely changes how I use them. So it feels less about us. It's kind of like visiting a friend in their hospital room with a nurse in the room. Sometimes when I think about it, I still will get very bothered and cry. I'm a 30-year-old woman crying about these machines leaving. It's just so sad to me that at a certain point in my life, I'm never going to be able to continue this tradition of documenting my life this way. We are in the Place metro station. We're going to go down these steps and see if the booth is still there or not. What kind of booth is it? Uh, I can't remember if it's a 17P or a 17C. It's the same model, it's just a different number for the same thing. But uh, it's a very standard Canadian colour photo booth. Okay. My <laughs> <Okay. laughs> stomach is, like, tightening right now. It's so do or die moment very soon. It's still there. Yeah. Uh. Yay.
1: That's it for Love and Radio. Mags has written an amazing graphic novel about her adventures with photo booths. She asked that I not directly link to it. But if you do some internet searching, I bet you can find it. This episode was produced by Benjamin Frisch, Jesse Carrier, Julia DeWitt, and Stephen Jackson. Special thanks also to George Langford, who composed the introductory photo booth song at the beginning of the show, and to Brian Meacham of photobooth.net, and Tim Garrett, who provided many of the Photo Booth recordings that you heard. Love and Radio is a production of PRX's Radiotopia, whose executive producer is Julie Shapiro. Radiotopia's founding sponsor is the Knight Foundation. Now, I know that there are lots of you out there with collections of Photo Booth photos, and I would love for you to share them with me. Just use the hashtag Love and Radio on Instagram or post it to our Facebook page. Thanks for listening.
2: À craindre mon
0: like two strips so for the first one we'll do like a similar game to what we did yesterday where we called out animals okay but we'll say any word and then each of us will react to whatever word it is okay so think of two words and keep them to yourself okay I have two words do you have two words I do okay so I'll say the first one you say second one I'll say the third you say fourth sounds great okay. I don't
1: actually have my two words but I'll. it's fine this.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> first is party. Why we have to look like partying. <laughs> okay, uh, uh,
1: uh, Roman Mars.
0: Oh, um, uh, um, roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> ship. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roman Mars. That's the first, That's the first time I anyone can. has ever <laughs> used Roman Mars in this <laughs> fun food game. <laughs> I was going to say a different word altogether, but then I felt it was going to be too similar to my Roman Mars look, so I was going to say computer.
1: You hear that, Roman? You're a goddamn computer.